We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. victory 125 113 win over the charlotte hornets but Fachi, most people are going to be listening to this on november 17th my man is celebrating his reggie miller year everybody today when you're listening to this is michael j Fachi's birthday so Fachi, happy birthday brother hey really appreciate it no better way i'd rather spend it than talking pacer basketball but especially after a win because alex i remember where i was last year november 17th i was gathered with my friends and the pacers were playing the pistons i thought oh my god easy birthday w and the pacers lost i was disgusted i want to say we scored like 88 (laughs) points i mean it was terrible so Shout out to the boys getting it right this time around, beating Charlotte, and going back to 500. Alex, we can't take this for granted because tell the people just how long it's been since the Pacers have been above 500. Yeah, so we're not back to 500. We're above 500. I meant above, yep. Yes, for the first time in 638 days. Fachi, Scott Agnes put this out there. I was kind of like shocked when I heard that. I'm like, it's really been that long? since we've been above 500. So I thought that was interesting. But in terms of this season, Fachi, we finally broke the streak of losing on Wednesday nights. We lost the home opener to the Wizards. We lost the next week to the Bulls. Last week, we lost to the Nuggets. And this week, we snapped it by taking down those silly little Hornets, right? So, I mean, what a a weird team. Charlotte is just – I have no idea what direction they're heading. Their team feels similarly – to the Pacers of last year, and uh, that would be like without having multiple players healthy for their team. No, I, I agree because I feel like 
Gordon Hayward would be equivalent to like a Malcolm Brogdon, where you got that guy that's always constantly injured that you know when he plays, yeah, he's good. Yeah, exactly. Like another TJ Warren type situation. You look at Charlotte's roster and you're like, okay, like the Bridges situation was awful for them. Then you got LaMelo being hurt. You got Hayward being hurt. Like LaMelo needs a new contract. There's other guys over there like PJ Washington needs to get paid. It's just you paid uh, Terry Rozier across the board. It's like, where is this team going? And they are not going to the playoffs. I'll tell you that. But, man, it just makes me uh, really love the situation that the Pacers are in when across the board you have, you know, flexibility. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those games where you looked at the Pacers early on and thought, oh, this game might get ugly kind of quick. And then the Pacers closed the gap in that second quarter after getting down by double digits, right? And they were able to cut to three by half. So I think that was just huge, uh, able to tie it up going in into the fourth quarter. And once again, Fachi. They just dominate their opponent in the fourth quarter like they did to Toronto on Saturday. So, you know, I uh, I look at this thing, at this team right now, Fachi, and, you know, they're seven and six. I'm not, like I said before, I'm not surprised. We talked about this team potentially being 10 and six after their next four games, right? So they have their hands full, though, because if you include this game against the Hornets, they're going to have 13 games over the next 21 days with only um, – only one day's off in between their games. So they're not going to have back-to-back days off of rest. It's been quite the interesting schedule. I've never seen it so, like, friendly for the Pacers at home specifically. The fact that they were able to leave Brooklyn after a five-game road trip and play two – or have two weeks at home and no road games, it was just very bizarre to me. But now their schedule is cram-packed. they got three back-to-backs in uh, in this 13-game stretch, and so they're going to be playing nine of these games on the road as well, Fachi. So – I thought this was a big win for them. Obviously, uh, if you're in the tanking sweepstakes, this is uh, not what you wanted to see, I guess. But if you're in terms of just like watching this team be young and develop and kind of get to where they need to get to in terms of like creating that culture and creating that winning environment, this is a big road win. It really is. And right now, I feel like we're playing like a college basketball like schedule where you play twice a week. It's like, man, sometimes I'm like, it's been like three, four days before since the Pacers have played. Like, I'm itching for more. So yeah. right now, You're gonna I, get I feel like the schedule, I'm, we're, we're going to get more than we can handle. There's going to be a Pacer game coming, you know, pretty much every other night. But <laughs> at, at this point, the schedule is soft enough where we can go on a little bit of a run. And speaking about a run, to your point before, where when Charlotte went up big, things looked pretty rough but the Pacers end up closing out that first half Buddy hits a three all of a sudden ends up getting another basket right before that momentum shift of going on an 11-1 run to close out halftime I believe changed the game right then and there that was the momentum that they needed they took it into the second half they outscored Charlotte by 15 points in the second half I I think that that was just massive right over there so um, that was kind of the changing point in the game but Overall, I mean, there was a lot to like. And look, let's put it with a grain of salt. This is Charlotte, a team that's had their defensive struggles. But when you look at this, the Pacers starting five, all scores in double figures. They were all at least a plus 11. Mm-hmm. And and for the most part, I, I thought, you know, they looked, they looked good offensively. However, man, before we get into negatives, I guess we're probably better, you know, starting with some of the positives. What's maybe one of the positives of this game that you wanted to start with? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the way that Tyrese Halliburton kind of closed this game, Fachi, is where we need to start. And we've been talking about it. We want to see him step up and be the closer of this team, right? 
Mm-hmm. He had that huge step back three oh, right yeah. in front of Steve Clifford. And, you know, he got LaMelo on the step back and, and drilled that one. I thought one play that's probably going to be overlooked a little bit, maybe not, but it was, I think it was his last assist, if I'm not mistaken, the pass that he had to Miles Turner on the back door. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just threaded the needle and got it there. I, I just feel like Tyrese is really playing with so much, so much confidence at this point. You know, he had a big steal, I think, in the fourth quarter as well that kind of like, Helped the Pacers get out to that little bit of a lead that they were trying to build there. You know, he ended up having three steals for the night, but actually 11 assists and just three turnovers. He had 22 points on a really good, efficient shooting, 9 of 15 from the field. So, you know, overall, we're just seeing Tyrese Halliburton be able to bend defenses left and right. And at this point, it, it's hard not to sit here and say this man is not an all-star. This guy is hands down got to be an all-star. Has to be. I mean, I saw one thing right now, and I know it's a super random, you know, tweet, but we find these out there. It said that Tyrese Halliburton is the best player under $5 million in the NBA. Like what he's getting paid right now, his production is through the roof. I mean, it, it look, this guy obviously is heading towards a big payday, but right now he is just ahead of where anyone could have predicted him to be at this point. And what I loved is because I love a good revenge competition type thing. You know, this is Tyrese versus LaMelo Ball, two guys from the 2020 draft. And one thing that I saw that that they mentioned, Tyrese Halliburton leads that whole draft class in win shares. And we're talking about a guy that hasn't even been to the playoffs yet. Think about that of how much value (laughs) he's bringing. Leading the draft in win shares also leads that draft in assists, and he's fifth in points. I mean, right now, this guy, it just – Feels like he's scratching the surface. And I know LaMelo Ball is is maybe the bigger name and at times, might put up some bigger stats. But when you look at leading a team and making everybody around you better, oh my God, it's not even close the way that Tyrese Halliburton is the engine of this Pacers team. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. I mean, I don't want to sit here and knock LaMelo too much. Obviously, nope. coming back from an injury, re injured that ankle at the end of the game, trying that's to like tough. steal the ball from Miles and his foot kind of stepped on. One of the fans sitting there courtside, it's just, you know, it was a freak thing. You feel bad for that fan because he's probably got to feel awful. And I'm sure there's probably some Hornets fans that are heckling that guy for for doing that. But it wasn't his fault at all. It was just sitting there, <laughs> you know, and LaMelo just made an aggressive play and, and and stepped on his foot. So, you know, but you're right. LaMelo's an all-star, right? So you can't sit here and mm-hmm. say, oh, Tyrese is this much better than him right now. I don't think that's fair just because we've seen LaMelo be special. But I, I think trajectory-wise – you know, leadership skills and all that kind of stuff. I feel like from what we've heard, like just glowing reviews about Tyrese, and we haven't probably heard the same amount about LaMelo, it, it, it makes you feel like, okay, maybe we've got the uh, the better point guard of the future. So I'm not I'm not going to sit here and disagree with you on that, Fachi. But it's, just, it's an interesting uh, stat that you bring up, though, about the win shares because that's really impressive. I mean, for him to be with Sacramento for the majority of his career so far, right, and still to, to to lead in that category is pretty special. It really is. Um, so that that's something that I definitely thought it really stood out to me um, over there. But also another guy in that backcourt, I mean, Andrew Nemhard, I, I thought was another mm. young guy that we have right now. I mean, he only plays 22 minutes, but he's a plus 20 in the game to lead the Pacers. Had 13 points, did it on five of six shooting, actually started the game with, you know, hitting his first two shots to get the Pacers 
you know, going. He also had three steals in here. I had a couple of people tweeting that saying, man, it's amazing what, you know, back-to-back draft classes like this can do. Mm-hmm. Because a guy like Nemhard, I feel like, is going to be the guy that probably gets overshadowed the most, who had just an overall solid game, didn't turn the ball over. And, and I mean, think about this. We're, I don't know, what, 15 minutes into this episode? We didn't even talk about the 20 and 10 performance that Miles Turner had. In specific, the first half, I feel like when Turner got the ball, he was aggressive and he finished it in the paint. And that's something the Pacers need because coming into this game, and, and you know I'm chock full of stats, in terms of percentage of uh, of points you know, in the paint, the Pacers ranked 28th in the NBA. They need to get more paint production. I thought Turner did a good job of that in the first half. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that. 16 points and seven rebounds in the first half. I mean, just a spectacular first half from him and really kind of spearheaded that comeback right there uh, to close the gap on on Charlotte. And and one of the things that I saw all over Twitter was that block on Kelly Oubre. Uh, That could be a poster right there if you're a Miles fan and you love him so much. I would say get that one framed because that was beautiful. Uh, Miles has some classic blocks against the Hornets. Marvin Williams, you know, uh, oh, he's still recovering from that one, you know. But, yeah, Miles, I mean, just another spectacular performance. I think that's four double-doubles in a row for him, Fachi. And, you know, really efficient shooting, 7 to 10. He really didn't shoot the ball that much, especially in the second half. I don't think they really were looking for him as often as they probably could have. So, you know, it was a little bit of a less productive second half, which just four points and three rebounds. But at the same time, you know, you have to give him credit for being able to uh, kind of be a chameleon out there and just – fit in where he needs to fit in because Jalen Smith had more attempts than him tonight. Halliburton had more attempts than him, but he killed him more attempts than him. And so did Benedict Mather. And so he, he comes up there at fifth and shot attempts tonight and has a 20 and 10 game on a very efficient shooting night. So uh, really like what we're seeing from miles throughout the year. And he just has been very solid and sound. I mean, you can't say enough great things about what he's doing so far. You absolutely cannot. I mean, I want to say it's five double-doubles in his eight appearances on the year. I mean, this has been the best Miles Turner that we have seen. By far the most consistent Miles Turner we've seen. It's been awesome. A guy that that you 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 mentioned his name, but we got to give him his credit. Benedict Mathur. Yeah, let's get to it. 20 points. This is a guy that NBA.com, when they came out with their rookie rankings, moved him up to <laughs> number one in the rookie standings. What, hey, where are the Magic fans at now? I mean, I, I, they were I crying. They were crying when Tyrese said that Mather was his, like the uh, when uh, Halliburton had said on the J.J. Reddick podcast that Matherin was like the most impressive rookie and Magic fans were chirping and all upset about it because he wasn't giving Paulo his flowers, but it's just like, come on, Matherin's been lights out. Like, it's not like uh, he's anything bad about Paulo. It's just like Matherin's doing this off the bench in like limited minutes. Like, good grief. Limited minutes is right. The guy scores 20 points in 22 minutes. <laughs> he had a stretch. And it's, it's unbelievable oh what he's gosh. doing right now because – Paulo's getting way more shots, way more minutes per game, just more opportunities. You're talking about for Matherin. This was a guy that at one point had like 10 points in the first few minutes of the second quarter and doesn't really play that much in, this, in the, the rest of the second quarter. Third quarter, goes scoreless, whatever. Uh, fourth quarter, in the beginning, I mean, gets the Pacers out. He scores the first eight points for the Pacers. He actually had the first 10, Fauci. It might have been the first 10. I yeah, mean, I I, I, you lose track of how good this guy is. I'm talking about immediately just gets about three straight baskets. He's getting his own rebound. He's going to the free throw line. It's just, it was like he knew exactly when to turn it on. And that really 
set the tone in the fourth quarter for the Pacers to be able to push ahead and close out Charlotte. All of that, I, I believe, led to eventually when the Pacers uh, close out the game is on a 23-9 to run to finish out the game. They scored 35 in the fourth. I mean, just everything you could possibly ask for in a well-balanced effort. But also, Alex, I got to bring it up because uh, it annoyed me, and we got to get him to it. Matherin came into this game averaging 19.9 points. He scored 20. I know it's not going to be enough to tip the scale. We got to get this man back to 20 points per game. We just, we just got him. Well, we'll see if he can do that against the Rockets. I mean, their team's not been looking good at all this season. So he might have a chance to get there at that point because the Rockets are just sitting at uh, 2 and 12, Flachie. So they are not a very good team record wise. But yeah, I mean, one thing that I want to bring up, I brought it up on Twitter, Flachie. Matherin is getting so smart at reading opponents' defenses, and he is just becoming so much more advanced than I think I could have ever imagined him being at this point in his career. But I, th- I think it was Nick Richards. I'm not for sure exactly, but there was a someone waiting in the paint for Matherin to drive right, and they stood up there to take a charge, okay? And Matherin was still decently far back. Like, if Matherin got a charge call on him here, this was just like reckless basketball, like him just trying to create something. So it was clearly in the scouting report. Matherin's going to get all the way to the cup, be ready for the charge, anticipate it. Well, Matherin picks the ball up just before he gets to the defender and floats it right in over him, doesn't even make contact with Nick Richards, and gets the two points. And I'm saying that because he did it, again, the very next play. So Matherin is starting to read defenses much better than he has before. And look, Kelly Oubre ate his cookies at the top of the perimeter, okay? He's got to get better on his ball handling on the perimeter when he's getting really tightly guarded like that against a bigger defender. But I love the way that he's been able to read the game. I think he had a really nice pass to the corner to Aaron Neesmith. I think Neesmith missed that three in the corner, but mm-hmm. it was the right read. And that's what you'd like to see from your rookies. It's like, we know the guy can put the ball in the basket. We've seen that over 12 games. He's lights out, right? It's nice to start seeing some nuance to his game where, okay, I'm going to find this guy in the corner. Oh, I'm going to see this defender setting up. I'm going to shoot the floater over him. That's how you know you've got a star in the making because he's able to read defenses better than, you know, I can even remember a rookie at this point in their career being able to do. Now, he is way beyond his years right now, and, and it's just so crazy. We're, we're so spoiled right now with <laughs> what he's doing that it's almost like at some point he's due to have – you know, a bit of a slump, and I don't even want to hear it from anyone because it's just the hot start that he's gotten off to. It's not normal. This is the best rookie performance that any of us have seen in our lifetime from a Pacer, and we have to be able to just appreciate the good and whenever there may be some bad because right now it's just like, you know, Matherin's had, I want to say, I could be wrong, is it just one game below double digits? I think he had like yeah, one against game. the Pelicans. That's the first yeah, one that he had. That's the so. last one he's had. Eight <laughs> points on like it's, what one of two of eight shooting, I think. Two of eight. And other than that, I mean, he's just been electric. So it's been awesome to see. Um, but a, a few other guys, and this is something that like it's not gonna it's not gonna show up in a box score and really look great, but I just want to tip my hat to O'Shea Brissett. I mean, O'Shea tonight, two of two, eight points. He had eight points last game. All eight of it was in the fourth quarter against Toronto. This is someone that, you know, Carlisle complimented as he's just been a pro. He stayed ready. You're not hearing about him complaining. I mean, this is this is some guy, this is a guy that we have not seen for, for large stretches of the season 
comes out there, just looks far more confident the last the last few games. I mean, two of two tonight, three of six against Toronto, one of two against Denver. It's nothing that's going to blow you away, but it just shows that this is this is someone who's like, hey, if the team's winning, I'm cool with that. I'll be ready. This he's entering a contract year. We're not hearing a peep out of him, so. I'm rooting for O'Shea, even if it's just a basket here, a basket there. Hey, that's my guy. Hey, you've been shouting out the entire roster, so I'm just going to leave the floor open. Is there anybody else you want to shout out before we move on? Let's see. Who, who else can I shout out? Um, you know, I, I like I would, I can't shout anyone else out for no Jalen good Smith reason. Love. I was about to say I I can't give that man a shout out for for good reasons. I mean, Jalen. First half, one of six, ends up finishing the game four of 11. Ends up finishing plus 12, but that's more of the Pacers going on a run in the second half. I, I think he's been a little hot and cold over here. Uh, definitely rooting for him to get it going. Um, but overall, I would just say Neesmith had, had, a, had a little bit of a cold night. TJ McConnell, on paper, you see six and five. Five assists. Problem, four turnovers. That is not like McConnell. So yeah. uh, I, I look forward to seeing him kind of pick it up a little bit. And then... Uh, other than that, one other thing, and it's not a shout-out. Man, the rebounding tonight was rough. I mean, Charlotte... <laughs> talk, talk to me about it. Charlotte had 44 boards, and I know we had 34 overall. That doesn't do the main picture. At one point, the Pacers were being out-rebounded by 15 points, and you want to talk on the offensive glass? That's where it was rough. I want to get the specific number, Beast. One point, I remember being 12 14 to, to 3. 7. 14 to 7. Okay. You know what? It was it was 12 to 3 at one point. Yeah. So in favor of Charlotte. So that's something that just can't happen. You can't get crushed on the glass like that and really expect to win many games. And one of the last points I'll make, Pacers came in this game averaging 43 point attempts. They finished the game with 28, but by halftime, I was a little bit worried. They really only had about it's like maybe 11, 12 threes attempted. Mm-hmm. I was like, how are we gonna win this game when we rely on the three ball? so much but you know what at the end of the day Pacers shoot nearly 54 percent from the field they get to the free throw line 31 times something yeah. we had not seen in the past they make 26 of them how about that yeah that's where they won the game because they had 26 made free throws compared to charlotte's 15 so 11 points right there that's a big difference maker there fachi you know the rebounds were a big thing but yeah i mean just just looking overall at this i i felt like the pacers were pretty dominant in most of the categories out uh, you know, they uh, had more points in the paint. You know, the, the fast break points were not there tonight. That's one of the things that I thought was a point that we didn't bring up early in, in terms of, like, why the Pacers struggled. Eddie Gill brought this up on the radio as I was listening on my way home uh, to, to see the second half of the game. He was just talking about how the Pacers weren't able to get out in transition, and that's why he thought some of their three-point numbers were a little bit lower. So uh, I, I agree with him there on that. I think that's a great point to bring up. And then, you know, we had three more steals in them, five more blocks in them. I mean, this was a game the Pacers didn't seem to have it all together in the early on, but they figured out a way to come back and do it. So, Fachi, as we wrap up the recap here really quickly, give me three uh, golden stars that you'd like to give out to these Pacers. We'll go with Tyrese Halliburton and give him one. I mean, he really just uh, leads by example. 22 and 11 assists, 9 to 15 from the field. Give me Halliburton with one of them. Uh, two. Give me Benedict Matherin. I mean, really set the tone in the fourth quarter when we needed to get off to a great start. Finishes with 20 points on an efficient 7 of 13 shooting. And then lastly, the guy who really carried us in the first half, Miles Turner. Finished with 20 and 10, 7 of 10 shooting. I mean, three blocks. There was nothing to not like about Turner's performance. We needed him in the first half. Otherwise, it would have got ugly. 
Totally agree. And I and I think the only one that we talked about off air, giving an honorable mention, like you said earlier, Andrew Nimhart. Yep. Just a, a really fantastic game from him that didn't really like pop off on the box mm-hmm. score sheets, right? Only five or six from the field, 13 points. I mean, that's really good efficiency, but not a lot of shot attempts, but he just impacts the game in so many different ways. It's just so fun to watch him play out there. Uh, my wife doesn't usually pay too much attention to the games. And when Nimhard was out there, she was like, who is that guy? He looks like a kid. <laughs> I started <laughs> laughing. I was like, that's Nimhard. I was like, he was the 31st pick in the draft. She's like, oh, she's like, yeah, the guys, uh, you guys had him on your show, right? I was like, yeah. So, you know, she just, I guess she wasn't paying too much attention, but she remembers on the podcast. So that's cool. But I, I totally understand that though. It's just like, if you're not used to watching this team, like everybody from last year, it's pretty much gone. So, oh yeah, like that's the big thing. Like you know, we we've been watching games for four years, and she just kind of casually watches. But you know, with all these new players, it's kind of uh, it's kind of new to her as well. But let's go ahead and take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to quickly touch on Rob Palinka flying to Indianapolis, and once again, Eric Pincus from Bleacher Report says the Clippers have interest in Miles Turner. So we're going to talk about that right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Fachi, where do you want to start? Turn it to the Clippers or Rapalinka in Indianapolis? Oh, let's, let's go with the Polinka rumors because I, <laughs> Lakers fans, I mean, they could not have like uh, tried to put together worse pieces, I feel like. I mean, what was your initial reaction when you look at that? Because they try to include a, a buddy tweet that could have meant anything. You got someone taking a, a sketchy picture of Rob Polinka, you know, with Indianapolis over there, and they're just not putting together any of the pieces of all the talent that was in Indiana last night playing basketball other than the Pacers. Yeah, excuse me if I if I missed this, if it was confirmed or whatever, but Rob Alinka might have been flying to Indianapolis to watch the Champions Classic there. It was Kentucky, Michigan State, Kansas, and Duke, okay? The Pacers had left on Tuesday morning to go to Charlotte, okay? <laughs> so it's not like they were there. And then what was really funny is Buddy Hill, like, tweeted out, like, AO or something like that. And I think it was after one of the like one of those John Morant special plays last night on TNT. I think he was just watching the game in his hotel room and tweeted it out. And then there was a Lakers account that put them all together. And then people were getting confused, thinking that Buddy actually tweeted that out about Palinka going to Indianapolis. And I'm like, no, he just tweeted it out by himself. Like it had nothing to do with that. So that's what you call reaching, grasping for straws when uh, you're the Lakers and you're desperately wanting your GM and president, whatever he is, to, to make a drastic move at this roster. And 
you know, personally for me, when I see this kind of stuff, it just makes me laugh because it's like we are reaching here really bad. But at the same time, it's like we got nothing else to do on our hands. So let's try to reach for everything and sleuth as much as we can across the Internet. Oh, yeah. Just a pathetic reach by Lakers fans. I mean, you could see, <laughs> I mean, they're getting close to rock bottom right now. And it's just, uh, you know, you don't see trades happen on, you know, 11-16 or 11-15, you know, in November. That's just not what you see. Someone tweeted out recently that it was like, on average, the first trade had basically been right around, you know, the middle of December. I mean, when a lot of the guys become eligible for December 15th. So it's just like, at this point, I mean, come on, there was no legs to that one. And then Actually, you want to bring up the other rumor that hey, do you even want to call it a rumor? I mean, to, in my opinion, there was really nothing to it. But tell us about uh, the the latest Miles Turner rumor. Yeah, it's not even really a rumor, I guess you could say. Like everyone <laughs> likes to blow up with stuff, right? And so Eric Pincus, who's been on the show, I think you've had two interviews with him, Bachi, yep. uh, when I was able to make the show, and he's very knowledgeable about a lot of stuff. He's very tied into what's going on in Los Angeles because he's based out there. Rise for Bleacher Report does a great job. He just said the Clippers have had discussions about trading for Miles Turner or, or throwing together a package for Miles Turner. And he talked about how, you know, what they could offer. And if you look at this roster, they don't have anything to offer. They they can't even trade a first round pick until 2028. So they're even more uh locked up in their in their draft assets than the than the Lakers already are because of the Paul George trade uh with OKC. So they uh so they're they're in a bit of a trouble here in terms of giving up picks. Now, what they would have to give up, like what was interesting in this whole conversation, Fachi, on this article, is they want a backup to Zubach. Okay. So they bring up Miles Turner's name as another person to go after. I'm thinking to myself, I get that you want to have some depth at the center position, but do you really expect Turner to come off the bench and be okay with that? I mean, what are we doing here? So that, to me, it was just really fun to read the article. There was nothing of substance there, but I'm curious. I don't know if you've looked at any of the, the roster stuff, but, like, is there even a trade on this on from this Clippers team that you even think makes sense for Miles Turner? No, not at all. I mean, when, when people are like, oh, the Clippers <laughs> – someone tweeted out, I was like, so what, the Clippers discussed potentially having interest in Turner? It's like, that's nothing. And when you're talking yeah. about a backup center, it's like uh, – I feel like almost like putting on a magician hat and be like – what about Daniel Tice? You know, it's like you can get Tice for the low low because it's just like you're, they're not going to trade like a 2028 first round pick for half a season of Miles Turner when they don't own any of their picks, you know, like in the next few years. It's just like the Clippers are not in that type of state. So I do not see Miles Turner getting traded there. Uh, I don't think this has any legs. <laughs> and when you really look at their roster, like there's just. There's just not – I mean, I'm sure they would love to trade Luke Kennard, but we don't have any interest in that. We don't need another two-guard shooting threes. We already got plenty of those at home. So, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm looking at their roster now. You got you got Norman Powell who's making four, uh, $16.7 million over the next four years. Zubash, if he was to be traded, this is a pretty fair contract, $10 million for the next three years. So if Zubash was involved in the trade, then I could see where the Pacers might have somewhat of interest, right? That, that, to me, is semi-interesting if you get a pick with it. Um, Kennard, like you said, $14.4 million for three years. Mar, uh, is it Marcus? Or, I think it's Marcus Morse is out there. $16.3 million over the next two years. They've got Nicholas Batum, who's making 10.8 over the next two years. Robert Covington's making 12.3 over the next two years. 
And Reggie Jackson is an expiring contract at 11.2, but he's their starting point guard. So he ain't going anywhere either. So I'm looking at this thing and I'm just like, if, the, if they really wanted miles, right. And they didn't want to throw a pick in or something like that. And the Pacers like Zubach and, you know, Reggie Jackson's there and they could throw him in as an expiring. So it's on the Pacers cap for super long. That's one thing I could see, but they're going to have to offload cap to get miles because they're way over the cap and they can't use their tra- uh, trade of player exception on them either which they have one for about $9 million. So this is where it just kind of feels like it's falling on deaf ears. Now, if they did want a backup center and Daniel Tyson get healthy, I wonder if they would use their, you know, uh, traded player exception that they have there for Daniel Tyson. Maybe they just give the Pacers like a second round pick. I would be fine with that because look, we, we've all talked about it all off season. Like, is Tyson ever going to play for us? Is he ever going to report? And he reports, but now he's got the knee injury. He's going to be out for a while. I don't see the Pacers rushing him back in any way. And look, let's be honest. The, the guy wants to play for a contender. I don't blame him. He's coming from the Celtics, you know, playing in the NBA final. So if that's the situation, yeah. And the, the, the Clippers can absorb him. I think he fits what they're looking for in a backup center. A second round pick, hey, you know what? Whatever. That roster spot right now isn't getting used for the Pacers. So that, in my opinion, is a win-win. Plus, clears off some money for next year. So I'm yeah. in if the Clippers want to talk that deal. You want to talk Turner, you better you better grab a third team. For sure, Flashy. I mean, at this point, I have no idea uh what trade's gonna happen. I'm not even in, interested in per you know personally in trying to make up fake trades. It's just like some of my buddies were, were talking in the group chat about it. I'm just like, I, the Clippers have nothing. Like, no, like what they have position wise that we want is nothing. Like the ones that they'd be willing to get off of the Pacers don't want to have a long-term money invested in these guys for three to four years because they like that optionality. And that's why it's just kind of silly, you know? So we're going to continue to see these trade rumors forever until miles is eventually dealt. I mean, especially now, that he's basically never said that he wants to resign in Indiana. It's always been like, we'll just play it out. You know, we'll see how it goes. And that to me is like where we're at at this point, Fachi. So uh, you're going to hear a ton of teams have interest in miles up until February, if he's not traded until like closer to the deadline. But like you said, December could be a time the Pacers decide, all right, after we get off this West coast road trip, we'll, we'll see if we can find a deal for miles. If he's still playing well, that kind of stuff. So, I'm uh, I'm just excited to see how this team moves forward this rest of the season and, and, and how Miles plays and what their long-term thinking is. But right now, it feels like there's no indication of Miles staying here long-term. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, you know, we want him to play as good as humanly possible. It benefits him, benefits the team. So let's, we got to just let that play out. Nothing is going to be resolved within – the next month, I really don't think the Pacers are going to hop on a move that early. I think they probably ride this out to the deadline, see where the team's at, because I think that's that's the smarter move that, hey, don't jump on the first offer right over there. See how, see how it goes. I mean, if this team ends up surprising people, maybe it changes their, their direction. But at the same point, I expect this more to come down to that that February-ish you know, time frame. Uh, absolutely, Bashi. So. This is going to wrap up our show for today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure you give Fachi a shout out on social media. Wish him a happy birthday and uh, just make him feel special. And I also want to give a shout out to a faithful listener. Uh, I already texted him today. My buddy David has been on the show before. Um, he is celebrating his birthday today as well. So happy birthday, David, to you. Today is his birthday, 1116, when we're recording this. So uh, appreciate you, brother. And Fachi, let people know where they can find us out on social media. 
Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. YouTube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast. If you missed it, we did upload a new episode this week. I uh, had a one-on-one conversation with Derek Schultz. I did put it in this podcast feed as well. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, that is uh, just that audio version of that. But if you want to watch the video version, that is on YouTube as well. But with that being said, Fachi, if you think Benedict Mathern has a chance to not only be rookie of the year, but six men of the year, then say these three words. Let's go, Pacers! Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.